Okay, so um, like I was saying, the, the, the responses with regard to uh, the topic on eschatology last days have actually been very phenomenal. It's like as if it's like a soaking sponge, you know, where people actually, you know, receive it. And, and I believe it's putting a lot of perspective to a lot of issues in the scriptures. You know, the, one of the things that most Christians have been plagued with is understanding the Bible in sections. I understand inside, but this side, I don't understand inside. You know, and especially when it comes to the fact that many believers today are not coming to properly understand what the new covenant it is in the light of the grace of God. There's a lot of um, inconsistencies in your understanding when it comes to the book of Revelation. In fact, some people actually believe that for people who preach the grace message, that the book of Revelation is actually their Achilles heels. That's the area where they have issues because people who preach the gospel of grace preach that God is actually no more. Okay? And that God's wrath has ended. And, but how do you explain that when you go to the book of Revelation, you see a lot of expressions of rots, judgments, you know, and so at the end of the day, we have what I call, personally, I call this mixture to end the book of the Bible. So, I, I believe the Lord himself is doing an unveiling so that there will be a, a consistency in the message. Hallelujah. From my recent studies, I, I have come to see that the, 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 the apostles and disciples, they largely preached two messages. The two messages were actually related to one. And to that, that the essence or the main message was actually about Jesus. But the first message that they preached was the gospel. Okay? They preached the good news to them. And they also preached. And their preaching in this second sense was more of a prophetic uh, declaration about the downfall of Jerusalem. Well, you wouldn't expect them to preach otherwise because Jesus spent um, more than three chapters and as we have it in our Bibles, talking about the events that, uh, that will follow um, after his death shortly. And he said it was going to happen in a particular generation. Many people try to understand the book of Matthew 24 by reading only Matthew 24. But I, I can always tell people, if you want to understand Matthew 24, you have to read from Matthew 20, 21. It's, it's a long discourse. Okay? Because you can't just expect that the disciples just took Jesus one corner and said, Tell us what will be the end of the world. It makes no sense. It's out of place for, you, for them to have brought him to a, a corner and asking that question. There must have been um, discussions that had led to them questioning him. Just like example, you, you know the parable of the sower. They asked him, what, 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 what does it mean? So they heard things he said, and based on what he had said so far, they asked questions. So, now, the average, average Jew, even to, to today, they, this one thing they believe. They believe that Moses prophesied that someone was coming whom they regard as a Messiah. And they believe that when the Messiah comes, it will bring an end to the Mosaic age. And the, the Messiah will introduce the Messianic age. That's central to every belief for, belief for an average Jew. So also in their time when Jesus was on earth physically. So when Jesus was speaking about the end of an age, it was a response to that question because they knew in their heart that that, that age was, was going to come to end the Mosaic age. Okay? Now, so his response to their questioning 
was about them getting the picture about how the mosaic age will end for the mosaic age to, to begin. Alright? So, then we now see the events of the book begin to unveil, uh, unfold. And like I said last week, John's gospel is the only um, gospel writings, okay, that is different from the rest because the others are more like what they call them synoptic gospels, giving accounts in a logical pattern about the life of Jesus on earth. But his own was is called esoteric. It, it doesn't give you events like that way in that fashion. And if you read the book of First uh, John, Second John, Third John, Book of Revelation, you see that the, John's writing style is the same. It's consistent. He is not writing like uh, what I call a biography of Jesus. Okay, his his writings are very spiritual to bring out truths about him, about Jesus. Just like you see, chapter one, he says, "In the beginning was the world, and the world was with God, and the world was God." Just compare that to Matthew. Mark, Luke, and John. Different writing style. Hallelujah. So when he wrote the book of Revelation, like I said, he um, last week, he employed a lot of imageries from the book of Ezekiel. And I gave out us uh, last week 20 parallels between the book of Revelation and Ezekiel. Now, I didn't have time to really go through uh, in, in those parallels, and uh, let me just speak on let me see what I can, I can pick on uh, to talk about. Now, in Ezekiel 9, let's, let's go to Ezekiel 9. Ezekiel 9, we'll start from there. We're going to be very fast today because we probably might cover lots of scripture uh, places. Ezekiel 9, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure one of the things that people know very well about the book of Revelation is about marks on the forehead, mark on the side. Many we easily bring that to mind. And um, there's a lot of references of that to, you know, CCCs being, you know, uh, tattooed on your hand or microchips being placed in your hand or forehead or as in recent times, many people believe that the Obamacare or policy or so, eventually it does there. May God help Obama. Alright, Ezekiel 9 says from verse 1, it says, And he called out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. And suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces not, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen, and a writer's ink hung at his side. They went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now, the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with linen who had written, who had the writer, a writer's icon at his side. And he, the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh. And cry over all <coughs> the abominations that are done within it. Now, notice that there was about the, um, if you see the flow and context here, um, there's about there's about to be an invasion upon the city, and the Bible said the, the glory of the Lord lifted up from the cherub, and the cherub uh, was 
in the Holy of Holies. So very lifted up, and then a man was being introduced here, who was also told to go through the midst of the city and uh, put a mark on the foreheads of men, of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. So he was to go out and mark the foreheads of people. Now, I, I believe strongly that one of the first times we see references like of this nature is when you go back to Egypt. Before the angel of death was to go around you know, town to kill the firstborns, and Lord told the, the children of Israel to kill a lamb and put the, bl- the blood on the doorpost. So that's uh, like a marking. Okay? And in scripture, when you do a, a marking, it means a lot of things. It could mean to, to distinguish, it could mean to separate. Okay? And in this particular reference, it's referring to marking some people out so that when the invasion comes to that city, they will be they will not be affected, they will be spared. Hallelujah. So now when we flip into the book of Revelation, we're going to see a parallel of it in uh, Revelation seven. I like you to have your Bibles on Revelation Revelation and Ezekiel at the same time, so it makes it, make it faster for us to move into both places. Revelation chapter seven. Now, who were those that were marked in Ezekiel? Those who actually cited or were, were not in support of the abominations that were being carried out in Jerusalem. And in Revelation 7 from verse 1, we say, see here, And after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our gods on their foreheads. And when you read down, you begin to notice that it mentions every tribe in Israel. Although the tribe they mentioned in Israel, there was also, if you also look at the tribe they mentioned in Israel, you also notice something that happened there too. The, the order in which they were written. Interestingly, the first name or the first tribe that was mentioned, the tribe of Judah. <laughs> I don't think it's, um, it's a mistake. You know, when you look at it from the old covenant perspective, Judah was not the firstborn. But when you look at it from the new covenant perspective, Judah is the firstborn. Because that's where Jesus came from, of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. So, the saints were to be sealed so that when invasion comes, they will not be affected. And, of course, God, the Lord himself told them, he said, that when you see abomination, the abomination of desolation coming, coming close, as the, the advancing army coming, now it's time to leave the city. For the average Jew, if you see an invasion army coming, they will run into, into the, the, uh, the fortress of Jerusalem. But he told them leave. Okay? So, um, I'm stressing this to make us understand something because people who believe that the book of Revelation was written after 70 AD do not seem to understand that the book itself dates itself. The book itself gives us an idea of when it was written and for what uh, uh, reason. Now, there's no event in history that can connect this, this particular part, to the future of our time. Now, let me go into another um, parallel. 
Now, remember here, they were told not to harm yet until the saints were sealed. Look at um, Revelation 12 now. Sorry, um, Ezekiel 12, not Revelation. Ezekiel 12. Ezekiel 12. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, you, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, but do not hear, for they are a rebellious people. How many of you know that Jesus made this same statement too? For they have eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear. Who was he referring to? The same rebellious house, national Israel. Okay? In verse 23, look at what it says in that same Ezekiel 12. It says, Tell them therefore, Thus says the Lord God, I will lay this proverb to rest. And they sh- shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But say to them, the days are at hand, and the fulfillment of every vision. For no more shall there be any false vision or faltering divination within the house of Israel. For I am the Lord, I, sp- I speak, and the word which I, sp- which I speak will come to pass. It will, not, it will no more be postponed, for in your days, O rebellious house, I will say the word and perform it. In other words, there will not be any delay. What, what I have said is coming to pass. I also remember that the book, the book of Ezekiel was also written before the destruction of Jerusalem in 50, 586 BC, before the Babylonians came to invade it. Now, we are also seeing the same. Now, we're going to see the parallel of it in Revelation. This time, go to Revelation chapter 10. There are those who believe that the Lord fulfilled part of this book of Revelation and there's a delay because of the Jews refused to enter. So when the church age and in the church age God is delaying <laughs> the rot coming that the rot is still ahead of ahead of us. So ten from verse one says I saw still another angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, his face was like the sun and his feet feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the, on the sea, and his left foot on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders un- uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. And the, an- the angel whom I saw standing on the sea, or on the land, raised up his voice his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forevermore who created heaven and, and the things that are in it the earth and the things that are in it and the sea that, and the things that are in it that there should be no delay that there, sh- there should be delay no longer do you understand my point here you can see the flow here the same context or the same uh, flow in terms of prophetic literature what is about to happen will soon happen there will not be any delay any longer. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, let me see. Let me draw my parallel again. Okay. Revelation 6 now. Let's move back. Revelation 6.
6 verse 12 it says I have looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood that is where some people believe that the Lord has spoken about our time that we are in the fourth blood moon which will take place on Monday and the world will come to an end and it says and the stars of heaven fell to the earth now let me just out it here how many of you know that one single star not stars one single star is bigger than it one <laughs> one let's not even go near the moon or the sun one single star far bigger than it that's the reason why we can see them from a distance anything smaller than the earth cannot be seen from the earth so when it says that stars falls to the earth people should know that it's actually a prophetic language it's a language people must understand what does it mean for the stars to fall to the earth you know in, in, in Africa here when somebody who is prominent dies you hear something like the, the, the Roku has fallen Abi, did, did, I get, did I get right the Roku has fallen now would you be going out the next day or at that moment, let's go and find which local tree fell. You wouldn't be doing that. There are lots of um, colloquial questions that we, we use in our time that actually means certain things. That if if somebody who is not living in our time sees those writings two thousand years later, he may not understand until he can understand our culture. Okay, then he will be able to understand what what certain phrases may mean. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to find, find another expression that uh, we normally make use of. Um, you say the eagle has landed. Uh-huh. In fact, if if you want to confuse somebody, let's just give him military terms. In the military, military has a lot of terms that if you're not military, you won't understand. Like. In Nigeria, or even Lagos, when you tell somebody, uh, uh, there's this one language normally use, oh, to greet themselves on the road. Ahua. Now, it, for an average civilian who is not close to anybody who is military, you're wondering, ah, is that, um, which language is that? You know? So, and these things are, the scripture is so filled with so much of it. So much of it. And I, I find it easier for me to understand some expressions in the new covenant or new testament by going to find the expressions used in the old covenant alright so um, send the stars fell to the earth right as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind now this takes us back to the book of Acts when on that day when the Holy Spirit came down the Bible says what how did it describe that move it says like a rushing mighty wind blew in, alright and they were filled on them like twenty tongues of fire and they spoke in tongues and what was that wind to blow of blow of the leaves, not the fruits the leaves on the fig tree and the fig tree like we know in this ministry signify what self-righteousness which is the basis of the mosaic economy or religion 
Jesus went to that tree and he could not produce fruit, but only leaves. So the wind blew it off. And John the Baptist also said, below the axe is laid under the tree already to cut it off. Then the sky receded like a scroll when it is you know, rolled up. So the sky that you see, how can somebody take his hand and fold it up? <laughs> Do you understand? And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. So those those guys that preach about the blood moon, they leave all these other pieces and tell you they mention the red the, the mountaining blood. They not tell you about this the mountains moving out of place and they tell you that there'll be an earthquake here, there'll be this disaster here, the sea will you know will begin to rah because say the things will begin to happen because of the blood moon. Hey. And I wonder how so much merchandise have been made on people's ignorance. So much. So it says, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks, and they said and said to the mountain and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the rocks of the Lamb. For that great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Now, look at Malachi. Malachi. Before I read you the parallel in Ezekiel, I want to show you uh, two, by two places. Malachi 4. It says, Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will stumble, and the day sh- which is coming up shall burn them up, says a lot of us that we leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and go fat like store fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soul of the feast. Now, verse 4 says, Remember the Lord Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in hope for all of Israel with. The statues of judgment, behold, I send you a light job the prophet before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord. Praise God. Ephesians. Ephesians five verse six. It says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, many people would just call this out of context by saying that those who are, believe, are disobedient to their parents, that the wrath of God will come upon them. But that's not what he's saying here. He said the wrath of God is going to come on the sons of disobedience. Now, when you see the word sons, it already connotes something family. There's a strong connection to family. But these people will be referred to are referred to as the sons of disobedience. Disobedient to what? Remember what Malachi said that you should remember the laws of Moses. Now, in, the point is this the, the law of Moses, which is the law as we know it, was a pointer to the Messiah. Hallelujah. Was a pointer to whom uh, they were expecting. As it was, Paul said in Galatians that the law was the word, was a tutor to bring them to Christ. 
So, for them to fully obey the law wasn't to understand what the law was even saying. To bring them to a place where the Messiah will be to them. To bring them to the end of themselves and for them to enter into the salvation of the Lord. Now, these people, Paul was referring to them as the sons of disobedience. And he says it was upon them that the wrath of God is coming. So in the book of Revelation, we now see when it says that they were saying, they were trying to say, let, let the rock fall upon us to hide us from the wrath of the Lamb of God that sits upon the throne. Now, see the parallel in, in, in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 7. Ezekiel 7. Let's take it from verse 1. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, son of man, thus says the Lord God unto the land of Israel. And end, the end has come upon the four corners of the land. Now remember when we read the book of Revelation before, it says the four corners of the earth. That there were angels standing on the four corners of the earth. Now, people have been, have actually brought this to our own time to understand that it's referring to the earth as a cosmos. But the word there in Revelation is the Greek word gi, which is the land. Confirming what is written here, that the end has come upon the four corners of the land. Now, if you remember how Israel was camped in the wilderness, it was based on the four corner direction. I mean, if you remember that, remember that, I think we did that some, some, some months ago. Okay? Now, the end has come upon, upon you. I will, I will send my anger against you. Or some will say, I will send my wrath against you. And I will uh, judge you according to my ways and I will repay you for all your abominations. My eyes will not spare you, nor will I have pity, and, but I will repay your ways and your abominations will be in your midst. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, a disaster, a singular disaster, behold, it has come. An end has come. The end has come. It has dawned upon you. Behold, it has come. Doom to you you who dwell in the land. The time has come. A day of judgment is near. Sorry, a day of trouble is near. And not of rejoicing in the mountains. Hallelujah. You can see that these are very strong words. <laughs> very strong words. Now, the, the, the thing here is this. We begin to wonder why is God speaking in this, in this fashion? It seems kind of, kind of harsh. Now, the reason why you see God speaking in this fashion in, in, in the book of Ezekiel and also Revelation is because of covenant they entered with him. There's a covenant of performance that if you do this, I will bless you. But if you don't do this, if you don't keep your part, I will judge you according to your performance. So, in that covenant, God was limited to relate to them in that fashion. Where he, if they do good, he will praise them, he praise them and bless them and bless them. But if they, they do against his will and ways, he would say things like this and declare that he will judge and according to their ways. And we find the same reference also in the book of Revelation when he says I will, he was to judge them according to their deeds. Hallelujah. To judge them according to their ways. Why? Because they refused to step into the new covenant. You know, Peter was speaking to them at one time. He said that, said we have fled for refuge. Embracing the gospel. Because he understood that as long as you are still there and as long as the law was still fading away, because it was still fading away, they were explaining what we call a covenant transition. As long as they were still there, they were actually coming under his 
blessing form or the cursing form when they will be judged by their performance hallelujah how if you not know the Lord has passed away now it's no longer existing other people try to bring themselves under it and when people bring themselves under it they give room for the demonic uh, forces to now bring the curses to work in their life you know that's what people are experiencing today and that's why we need to preach the message of God's grace strongly strongly so that people will come under his, his wings and they will enjoy his uh, covenant protection hallelujah now please also know that the wrath and the anger you are seeing here is covenantal in nature it is not God in nature it is covenantal in nature hallelujah amen all right let me take you to another uh reference which is a parallel reference reference look at ezekiel 27 i just want to show you that the book of revelation and revelation i saw ezekiel and revelation is as if two people were writing about the same event but one was for the old covenant and one was in the new covenant and the two of them still refers to the, the destruction by the land that was to come but one was written by a believer in Christ and ended in a different fashion so Ezekiel 27 right Ezekiel 27 we we'll look at it from verse 32 Ezekiel 27 from verse 32 now this is referencing the lament over the city after it has been destroyed. So it says, In their waiting for you, they will take up a lamentation and a lament for you. What city is like Tyre, destroyed in the midst of the city, of the sea rather? When, the, when your words went out by the sea, you satisfied many people. You enriched the kings of the earth with your many luxurious goods and your merchandise. But you are broken by the seas in the depths of the waters. The merchandise and the entire company will fall in the mist, in your mist. And all inhabitants of the, of the isles will be astonished at you. Their kings will be greatly afraid, and their countenance will be troubled. The merchants among you will hiss at you. You will become a horror and be no more. Wow. That was deep. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you know that after this book, we now see the book of Lamentation. Okay. So it's like saying, Jerusalem, how beautiful you are, how wealthy you are in terms of um, commercially and even as, as a religious world, for how they will lament over you because you have come down to the ground. Then, Revelation. Look at Revelation 19. Sorry, Revelation 18. Revelation 18. This parallel I'm about to show to you. People have used, used it to preach about the World Trade Center when it was bombed in September 11th. Revelation 18. From verse 1 it says, And after these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon, the great is falling is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird you know what is this is bringing to my heart jesus told them that if you cast an evil spirit from a man 
what happens after a while to come back and see whether that place is what is empty and comes back <laughs> with seven more potent spirits to take over the place this is exactly what happened to Jerusalem behold your house is left to you desolate that's what Jesus said in March 23 empty empty of what? the glory of God you know in the book of Ezekiel we find also the, depart, the departing glory too but it, and if you see in the, the way of fashion the glory departed it was gently God is never in a hurry to leave somewhere. The same thing happened to Jerusalem too. We also find that same imagery in the book of Revelation about the Lord departing the temple gently too. Why? His, his will is not, not that many will come to perish, but that they will come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay? So, uh, it says, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of a fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of our luxury. Hmm. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of our plagues. No, so this, this second part this, this second part here was an advice to the church. Come out of her. Come out. Because what you see is about to happen. And the church in, in that time, their major challenge was the fact that they were trying to be dragged back into the mosaic in administration by the Judaizers, the Nicolaitans and so they were trying to be drawn into it and if they had succeeded in drawing the church to mix with them again, they would have shared in the place and, and as we have it in history no Christian died in that um, destruction because they all heeded the, the warning of Jesus and I, and I believe the book of Revelation was also part of it because if you look at the, the seven churches to whom the book was written to their location, they were kind of close to each other, you know, geographically but because they were Jews it doesn't matter where you are okay, the seven churches were not in Jerusalem but because of they are Jews, wherever they are as a practice, every year they come to keep what? Passover no matter where you are so if some of you remember the book of Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it says there were Jews that came from many parts, parts of the earth. And you could see different nations even from Africa mentioned there. Why did they come? Because that was 50 days after Passover. You have Pentecost. You know, so it's not something they celebrate from, from a distance. They celebrate by being in Jerusalem. You know, f- for them, it, it's just like what they told the Samaritans that God is not in that mountain where you worship. It's in Jerusalem. It's there. So they must come there. And the danger... If the, the, the church being in Jerusalem at that point in time was the, the that destruction of the of that temple of the, of the of the land occurred during that period when all the Jews had come back for the annual feast, the annual feast and celebration of the Passover. Hallelujah! Now remember what Jesus told them: "Say, pray that your flight will not be on Sabbath day." Because it was on Sabbath day, they were trying to leave the city they can't leave. They have what they call it, Sabbath day walk, day's walk. Do you understand? <laughs> you can see how Jewish everything is. For us to bring it to our own time and age, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And this is what Bible study should do for us. Helping us to divide the word of truth 
so that we will not be ashamed because we know what is talking to us, what is talking to them, and what we can learn from their own experience. Hallelujah. Because we keep looking like fools when we keep coming out in public and announce to the whole world and tell them the end is here and it's coming on 28th of September. You know, um, I was sharing with you of how somebody called me on Monday to do wedding card. It's wedding is November. And he was in a rush. We did that thing on Wednesday. Two days, we win that thing. Ah, my, my fiance is traveling. She's going with the thing. I don't know why. He was, that was pulling me up. Only for the guy to call me in the afternoon. He said, like, we'll put a hold on the job. I said, any problem? He said, ah, my bishop told me that um, that day I put that NASA has declared that there will be seven days eclipse all over, all over the earth. And the bishop said that that seven days darkness may likely lead to the end of the world too. That we should hold on. You know what I feel like doing to the guy? I feel like laughing to him to scorn. But I had to hold myself, hold myself until he dropped the call. Then he now asked me, uh, what do I think about it? I said, I said number one, NASA did not declare a seven days eclipse on the earth. I said, NASA declared about the four blood moons and three have already happened. The fourth one is coming on 20, September 28th. And already is November. I don't see how it connects. Is that NASA said? I said, if anybody said it, I'm sure it's going to come out of the religious world, not from NASA. He said, he said, okay, we can go Google it. I said, please go Google it. In fact, after we dropped the call, I, I said to go Google it too. There was nothing like that. In fact, the only thing that got close to it from NASA that I talk about an eclipse of that nature was was in 2014, not even 2015. And the eclipse was not a global eclipse. Praise God. Do, do you know, even when the eclipse happened, people don't even see globally. Last one we saw, remember, we saw, remember they said that they saw it in Ghana. And we didn't see it in Nigeria. Ghana here. So, this is one of the reasons why teaching like this must be loud. So that people will stop messing up. Because when we go outside there and tell people we are Christians, they won't look at me from what I know. Look at me from, ah, you just people that don't know where the, when the world will end. I keep saying to end. That your master said so. That even your master you doesn't even know what he's saying. Because some people have come to the prophet by the Jesus as a false prophet. Whereas we are the false prophet. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Alright. Let, let me tie this up with somewhere um, I wanted to end up with last week. We're going to flow from here next week. Why I want to read this to you is because I wanted to show you that the events in this book has a strong connection to what I'm about to show to you. It's called Time Text in the book of Revelation. There's a very strong reference to the timing okay, of, this, of the fulfillment of the, of the vision of prophecy. Revelation 1 verse 1. We're going to rush this one now. So let, let's, let's begin a very fast journey. Revelation 1. Uh, I want you to see this for yourself, so you you will not say. You know, probably you get the power of this. Revelation one verse one says the the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things that must what must shortly take place. He sent and signified this. Now, let, like I did the other time, let me read to you three other versions. I have the English standard version. It says. 
which God gave him to show seven things that must soon take place. We Americans stand by the series, the things which must soon take place. International Standard Version says to show you seven the things that must happen soon. I'll make Bible in plain English. I'm gonna advise you guys if you can't do your best possible to read the Bible in the Aramaic, you'll be so amazed what you will find. Aramaic is the closest language to the Hebrew. It says which he gave him to show his servants what has been given to soon or soon occur. If God is speaking to somebody and, and saying, I'm going to show you things that must shortly take place or soon take place or about to occur, then we must believe it for what is how it was said. Now, verse 3, or that's in 1, says, verse 3, or that's chapter 1, it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things or guard those things which are written in it for the time is near. The 3, Revelation 3, verse 11. It says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Alright. Chapter 11, verse 14. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Chapter 20, 22, which is the last chapter. Notice that in chapter 1, the verse, first chapter, it mentions twice about a coming soon or things that must happen very soon. Then the last chapter, to seal up the prophecy, 22, verse 6, it says, Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. What words? The prophecy are shown to you. And the Lord. God of the Holy Prophet sent his servant to show his servant the things which must shortly take place. And the last one is in the next following verse, which says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. The Greek word for blessed is happy. I remember what I said last week about the book of Habakkuk concerning the vision. He that reads, he um, gets the vision, she what? Write it, make it plain, so that those that read it can what? Run with it. So it's the same con- uh, it's the same idea here that what I am showing to you that I am coming quickly. Blessed is the man who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book and Look at verse 20. It says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Now, when you write a book and you write about the imminence of the event and end the book by writing about the imminence of the event, what does it tell you? That, what does that say? That the audience to whom it was written should know matters should be taken very seriously. What is that? Uh, those who belong to the dispensation teach, teaching, they say that after chapter 3, the rapture takes place because there's no mention of the, of, of the church again. One of the many things ahead is in our future. So what they say is that 
the seven churches in, in, in Asia are referring to the seven church ages. That after the, the last seven, uh, the seven church ages, which they say, which says our time, then the rapture, would, then the events of the worlds being distributed or poured out would happen. And when you look at that already, you are already seeing a time frame of more than 2,000 years. And the book ends by telling the audience 2,000 years ago that blessed is who reads it. And who was it written to? To the seven churches in Asia. That means to the seven churches that read sin, blessed and happy are you if you follow and keep to the words of this prophecy. Because the things which are written are about to take place. So it's going to be a strong contradiction of scripture to write to an audience 2,000 years ago of things that must shortly take place for them to take note of and at the end of the day it didn't take place and we should be concerned about it 2,000 years. Why is it our generation? Why is it not 4,000 years ago? Because if we keep seeing the scripture from that perspective we can stretch it as fast as we want. In, in the book of Daniel, when Daniel saw his own vision, the Lord told him to see it up that, that the days for, for his payment see ahead of him. He, was, he was told to relax because it didn't concern him. He was not told to do anything about it but to see it up. But in that same 22, oh, I didn't read that part to you. John was told not to see the voice of prophecy, not to see it because the events were about to take place. Why I'm saying this is that when you do your own personal study, every other event I have not mentioned yet here right now, I want you to see it in context of that statement. The things which are written, everything written was about to take place. Hallelujah. Praise God. Alright, we're going to stop it for today and continue next week. Hallelujah. We, we have two weeks to go on it. And um, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna see how <laughs> how much we can cover. I know I can cover it in two weeks' time. I know, but I'm going to probably go f- deeper in the remaining two weeks that we have for this um, study. Hallelujah! All right. Any question? Any question? <laughs>